0: Happy holidays. We are in the holiday season right now. We are. Holiday season is
1: well underway in New York. All of the dogs at the dog park are now coming in their holiday sweaters. And I have to say, some of these holiday sweaters are much better than my holiday
0: sweaters. I bought Ruthie a sequined Santa dress. (laughs) Santa dog dress. She (laughs) looks... I'll I'll send you photos. She looked amazing. Hold on, she up. looked incredible.
1: A Santa dog dress. I'm getting some serious mean girl, Christmas spectacular vibes from this. Slutty,
0: totally, total, just a very slutty dog costume. It doesn't fit her. It didn't. It <laughs> Regina didn't George's across.
1: skirt didn't fit her either. But it you didn't, know, <laughs>
0: it didn't button across her chest, so she's got her whole chest out. Where while she's barely got her backside covered in the dress, so she's Definitely asking for attention in it, seeking it out, but she likes it. She totally likes it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm sure. <laughs> I can't wait to see the photos and evaluate the eye contact for myself. The hostage pleading, hi. hi. Save me from Anya. Well, speaking of animals in the holidays, were you a Dr. Seuss fan growing up? Or was that something that like, you and your family read?
0: I read a few of the books growing up, yes, but I have to remind people sometimes that I grew up in a Christian bomb shelter situation where I wasn't exposed to a lot of things that kids were exposed to, so if I did have any uh, any engagement with something that was more in the pop culture world, it was by accident or in secret. <laughs> amazing. So you were
1: smuggling in books from the library.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Was it the type of Christian bunker that celebrated Christmas or are we talking about the Christian bunkers where Christmas is a pagan holiday?
0: So it used, my my mom used to not celebrate Christmas with a Christmas tree because of its pagan roots, but I don't know where the switch happened when she decided that it's okay to have a Christmas tree and to celebrate Christmas in, in this way. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, we got the gifts and everything, but every year instead of a, our, you know, like when you get like your big main Christmas gift, right. It was never a gift from Santa. Like, Ooh, what did Santa bring you? It had a gift tag on it that said from Jesus. Oh, <laughs> was Jesus a good Mental gift giver from the Lord and Savior. <laughs>
1: um so that was my life okay okay so Dr. (laughs) Seuss then maybe maybe not I mean I I did not grow up in a Dr. Seuss household I don't think it was like a deliberate thing I just remember like not reading Dr. Seuss as a kid I actually don't think I saw some of those books until like later in life and they were kicking around other people's houses I was like oh yeah the cat in the hat like I know it from pop culture but I never actually read it like green eggs and ham like I know it from pop culture, but I don't think I finished, like, reading that book ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I read Green Eggs and Ham, uh, Cat in the Hat, like, you know, the the real staples, the classics, and then The Grinch, which we're going to be talking about today. Oh, yeah. That, for me, was through the movie and the cartoons, oh, okay. not through the books that I was introduced to the character of Grinch and the Max?
1: Very interesting. Well, so today we are talking about the Grinch. And the reason we're talking about the Grinch is because the Grinch stole Christmas. Or that's how the story from the 1957 children's book goes, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Um, For those who don't know, the Grinch is a fictional character created by Dr. Seuss. If I had to describe him, and I'm assuming that everybody here has seen the Grinch, if you've left your house, or even if you haven't, he is everywhere during the holidays, but in case you've missed the Grinch or did not realize you were looking at the Grinch, he he kind of looks like a furry avocado. Like, if you took an avocado out of its, its wrapper and maybe let it sit on the counter for a week and it sprouted green mold, that's kind of what the Grinch looks like, and then with some really scrawny arms and legs. Um, Ironically, for a character who's really grumpy and mean and disagreeable, he has a really big mouth and smile and, like, little, like, mean, wicked eyes. And he's, um, yeah, he's basically, he's kind of like a more contemporary version of Mr. Scrooge from A Christmas Carol.
0: I think that's a great way of describing him. But back to the mouth portion. I always associate people with really large mouths as being scary. So to me, that, that's fitting. Like you think of like a sinister, ha 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 like if you think of like Hannibal Lecter right? <laughs> think, of, think of think of Anthony Hopkins in that role. He wasn't with the pursed lips and closed mouth. He was big and wide and yeah, I, so I, I mean, mean, there's, huh? Yeah. You gotta, the big mouth I think is a sign that someone's probably got something wrong with them or a little. Very interesting. I never thought yeah. of that. We can do an episode on that one. <laughs> yeah, we
1: should <laughs> figure out how to make you relevant to our show, but we always do. We always find a way on which, you know, I think is rather <laughs> impressive. Um, Okay. So yeah, so the big mouthed evil Grinch, he appeared for the first time in how the Grinch stole. I think it was for the first time in how the Grinch stole. No, that's right. That was his breakout role. He actually, I remember correctly from my research, he had appeared here and there or, you know, like alluded to in some of the earlier books, but like his breakout performance was in how the Grinch stole Christmas. That's what it was. And I believe the first use of the word Grinch was actually in 1953 in Dr. Seuss's book, Scrambled Eggs Super. And it was a word that people didn't use, right? Like Grinch seems like such a commonly used term today to describe something or somebody that's like, honestly, a real downer. Like, oh man, like what a Grinch. That's a Grinchy thing to do. Not sharing your Christmas cookies with me on the, at the office. But, um, yeah, it, it was just a made-up sort of Dickensian-sounding word by Dr. Seuss and applied to this character and, you know, since taken on a a life of itself as the Grinch has surpassed Mr. Scrooge in pop culture as the symbol of
0: anti-Christmas festivities. According to Merriam-Webster, by the way, the Grinch, as someone who's a Grinch uh, is defined as someone who's a grumpy person who spoils the pleasure of others.
1: That's a whole other layer. It's not like enough just to be crabby, but you're crabby and you
0: ruin it for everybody around you. Yeah. I have some family members like that. <laughs> <laughs> they could serve as <laughs> Grinch 2.0. Oh my god, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> But there was a redeeming part of the Grinch who I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, but his dog, Max. And I i think we're going to have some interesting conversations around this because I feel like certain people there, uh, there are certain people I know who I'm more endeared to because of their animal. Simply because their animal is great that it makes me
1: I see what you're saying.
0: like that person so I'm excited to dive more deeply into how Max has played an important role in the rehabilitation of the Grinch in terms of how we view him yeah yeah that's a great call
1: out well okay so a little bit more backstory on how the Grinch stole Christmas so the premise of the book is that the Grinch hates Christmas in general he's just like this is a horrible thing and I don't know why people are happy, and I don't want people to be happy. And then he's got a few like very specific triggers. He hates Christmas dinners, he hates carols, and he hates music. Now I'm going to pause for a second, because to be fair, I sometimes reach a breaking point when I hear Christmas music in the stores, and I sometimes think about burning it all down. So when the Grinch decided that he had had a breaking point, he hit this breaking point with Christmas where he couldn't take it anymore and he was going to destroy it. If I have to hear Mariah Carey one more time while I'm just going to the supermarket, I might also try to destroy Christmas.
0: I'm I'm in the same boat. (laughs) I'm definitely in the same boat as that. I am not a over-the-top holiday person in general uh, with any holiday. Really, I um am more. I like to keep things simple, and I don't like things shoved down the throat, or you know, or I, I, I get it. It's Christmas, like okay, we get it. We got the green tree, got the holiday cheer. Now we're, but you know, when Christmas is over, people are gonna go back to just being grumpy jerks, and this is just all temporary cheer, okay. This is just all temporary.
1: <laughs> it's real optimism, Anya, right before the holiday. <laughs>
0: when Listen, a I'm like, here to keep it real. Keep it real.
1: <sighs> oh, man. Oh, no. I'm getting some Grinchy vibes right now. I mean, because, you know, okay, so in the story, the Grinch is like, I'm going to destroy Christmas. I hate it. And he, you know, takes his pet dog, Max. He pulls Max into this conspiracy And they go around this village, this, I don't know if it's a village or a city, and they steal all the presents and all the decorations and all the food, and they plan to toss it off the side of the mountain. And they do this by disguising the Grinch as Santa and Max as a reindeer. Now the story does have a happy ending where the Grinch has a change of heart on Christmas day when the people who he stole Christmas from are still celebrating. They're still happy, they're still singing, they still have joy and excitement in their lives. And the Grinch realizes that Christmas is not just about parties and presents, it's about something more, even though parties and presents are pretty great.
0: Let's talk about this then, as far as like, why did the Grinch not like Christmas? What was it that he hated about the holiday? That's a good question. And like, like, again, like there
1: were those specific things like the eating, the decorations, the music. But like why deep down in his tiny little heart, the Grinch does not like happiness. I don't know. Did you figure that out from the book? Or the movie? I didn't see the movie.
0: I mean, well, his heart was small, right? Like that's part of it is that his heart is really small. So there's no room for love or joy in his heart. So, I don't know if he was born. Like, was he born a Grinch? Did he turn into That's a Grinch? That's a good question. Was he all you know? Because there are some people, and if you even think about the personalities of dogs, right? Like, we're all born, I think, with inherent traits. And there's actually a um, a, a William Woodsworth uh, a poem called. Um, fuck, I'm going to mess it up, the name, the title of the poem, but there's a line in there that says, um, basically, like, who you are as a child is who you're going to be as an adult.
1: Oh, man.
0: Like, the heart of yourself as a child is going to be the heart of you as an adult, which I, I think is kind of true. And I feel like that's true of animals as well.
1: Okay, you do bring up an interesting question now. And so in addition to not really understanding why the Grinch hates Christmas... I can't figure out is the Grinch an animal what what is the Grinch like he is a grump, he's a crank he might be an animal abuser, which I want to talk about later. but is the Grinch an animal or is he a person and I, I can't figure it
0: out I think he probably falls in the same category of what Bigfoot would be mm. you know would would we classify Bigfoot as an animal? That's a good point. I don't know. know? Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those. Yeah. It's like one of those mysteries that I think we'll never have an answer unless Dr. Seuss himself would tell us what what the Grinch was. I mean, you have the who the who Are they people or are they just who's?
1: I assumed people, the villagers that the Grinch stole Christmas from, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're not. And I was trying to understand like, like, is the Grinch, because he's grumpy and not understanding happiness was Dr. Seuss trying to say that, you know, there's a difference between humans and animals and how they celebrate or don't celebrate holidays and fun things. But Max has got like, The ability to experience joy and I think Max actually kind of likes Christmas so then I moved away from that theory that Dr. Seuss was not drawing a line between humans and animals but you're right maybe the Grinch just inhabits this other weird space and it's actually animals and humans that have more in common with each other than they do with the Mm -hmm. Grinch Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I could agree I could agree with that um have you ever known someone who hated Christmas the way that the Grinch did?
1: I don't think so. I know people who hate Valentine's Day. Just like hate it. But I don't think I know anybody who's like, yeah, Christmas sucks.
0: <laughs> <sighs> well, so okay, let's let's get back to this. So I want to talk about his dog, Max. Like, okay, the Grinch, we know he's grumpy. He stole Christmas. Not a nice guy. We don't know if he's really a human or an animal. We don't really know much about him in general as far as, like, where he came from. Um, But we just know he's a jerk, right? Like, that is the one thing we all inherently know about him but then he gets his dog Max and I think you know when we're gonna get into this but there's a lot of interesting things that I learned about Max and just like also Dr. Seuss himself as far as his connection to dogs and how it influenced and shaped him and some of the stories that he told later down the line or wrote later down the line. And he, I think humanized in a certain respect, the Grinch later on as a story progresses, right. Where the Grinch is starting to begins to experience certain emotions that maybe he's never even really felt before that are more innate to the human experience. Very
1: interesting. And, well, I guess, like, one thing that I wanted to point out about their relationship is, you know, Max is such a sweet character. As dogs, as companion dogs often are in stories, right? Like, I think it's very rare that the sidekick is evil. Like, you'll have an evil person, but the sidekick might be, like, a source of good, which I also find kind of an interesting storytelling trope. So is it like, you know, a hint that there actually is something good inside that creature, and it can't manifest through itself, but it manifests through, like, this thing that it surrounds itself with? Anyway, I, I I will say, like, poor Max. He is so dedicated to the Grinch, even though he takes on the brunt of the Grinch's angry outbursts and temper. And what I found fascinating is just how Max has actually now become a bit of a controversial character in that story. Because there are people who think of the Grinch as an animal abuser. And it started with the very first iteration of the story where some of the, their interactions, it's, it's got like a little bit of that slapsticky type of like Charlie Chaplin. I don't want to say like violence, but kind of, you know, where they're, he's pushing Max around and throwing the reindeer antlers at him and you know kind of tying him up and we see that in the books and then it did evolve to be you know over time and i guess in the movie and some of these other adaptations the the interactions are less physically violent or controversial but they're still kind of emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. and there was even one blog post that i read that talked about max as being a hero who rose above abuse and I thought that was really interesting. And in some ways, has the Grinch, has that story and that dynamic kind of aged out in our culture? Because it's just not really like appropriate at this point.
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting as I I had never thought about that before. And when, you know, when you saw the story, like you knew he was mean to him, but like in my mind, I never was like, oh, this is abuse. This is not how you treat people or, or animals. But it did make me question, like, you wouldn't, this story would not have been made if the Grinch was doing what he did to Max to a child. Oh my God. (laughs) That book would never get published or be on the dark web somewhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So why is it, you know why is it okay if it's the companion dog, the companion animal, that gets shouted at and abused and pushed around? But yeah, if you were to put a child into that role, how would that still be funny? I mean, maybe, but like, but, but not, not funny.
0: I think what's interesting too about, I mean, I, I read the same blog post that you, that you are referencing, and they made some interesting points around how abuse victims of abuse respond to abuse and oftentimes when you are the one being abused your reaction is to try harder to get the love of your abuser right like it's not all, it doesn't always necessarily translate into you removing yourself from the situation it's this like very toxic dynamic of i need to make myself lovable to this person So that they stop doing these things to me. And I feel like you can kind of see that in the way that Max is with the Grinch. Where he's just like constantly trying to get the Grinch to love him. And showing him love despite the Grinch's actions towards him. Um, And it, it makes me, you know, I think... I I wonder why Dr. Seuss went down that route in terms of how he depicted that relationship with the Grinch and Max because he was an animal lover. Like, I mean, you can see that throughout a lot of the stories that he wrote, right? Like animals played a huge role in his characters and the stories that he developed. And he had dogs his whole life. He had a, a stuffed pet animal that he got when he was, um, when he was a kid that he named, uh, Theo Prestus, and Dr. Seuss's real name was Ted as a child, by the way. I did not know that. Um, But he had a, the stuffed animal that he received as a child and he kept it with him his entire life. The stuffed animal was perched near his drawing board when he was creating things. And then when he was getting, you know, when he knew, I guess he was about to die around 87 years old, he asked his stepdaughter to take care of the dog. And he got his first real dog, which was a Boston bulldog named Rex when he was around 10 years old and had that pet had, larger breed dogs um in his first marriage then after his wife died when he remarried they got um uh smaller dogs but he always had dogs and for someone that is obviously an animal lover and who had in like animals that influenced probably how he wrote these stories i wonder why he Made it this way between the Max, between Max and the Grinch. It's just it's fascinating to me because I could I I could never imagine writing a story where I'm doing any of those types of things to Ruthie, and like in a way that's supposed to be playful and fun and entertaining to people.
1: Yeah, it's true, and it's like you know he based on what you said, like I would assume he was enough of an animal lover then to not. Because you could say, okay, well, he's of a different time and animals are companions, but not the way that we see them today. They were more like working companions. They're there to do what we want them to do. They're there to serve us. That attitude has shifted to to an extent today. But based on what you're saying, like, he was, like, already a big animal lover and treated mm-hmm. his, his pets as companions. So that, that theory then probably doesn't hold...
0: Yeah. And I don't think a book like that would get made now, to be honest with you. I don't think you could make a children's book uh, depicting a relationship with an animal in that way. No, I think it would be maybe used more as an educational type of uh, purpose of how not to treat animals and why it's not okay to do that. Um, but even more interesting, after uh, Dr. Seuss died, his wife, Audrey, found a box of papers and drawings in his studio. And it, what was in it was contents in a manuscript for a book that he was working on called What Pet Should I Get? And the, the premise of the book is these kids go to a pet store and they're trying to figure out what animal they want to take home but every time they see one animal they like, they find something else (laughs) in another animal that they like even better. So it's about these two kids trying to figure out what pet should I take home? What pet should be my companion? So he, he obviously had like a very deep rooted interest in loving and caring about animals. And I think you know, Max, I think, has become a bigger character in some ways, too, than the Grinch because he is so lovable. And I think that's, you know, we, you can make fun of the Grinch for how he is. And we use that right in terms of like how we describe people and, and how they are in certain situations. But Max, I think, has stolen the spotlight to a certain extent in today's world um, and is a bigger character than the Grinch himself. Because people, I feel like, are more drawn to someone who is open, who is loving, who is charming,
1: who's fun and cute, and yeah, and his loyalty to the Grinch. Like even though you're like, run away, run away, Max, just get away from him. You know he he sticks with them. You know to to his detriment, but you know he he. I think. Somebody wrote this, but I'm gonna paraphrase it. Basically, that he's proof that you know dogs are the most loyal, you know, true companion animals that you know we can possibly have. I don't think a cat would have stuck around
0: for this. Oh, a cat. A cat would have killed the Grinch. What are you talking about? <laughs> they would have murdered the Grinch and eaten him alive and buried all the evidence, okay, in their litter box. They they would have. So cats true. would not put up with that no they've got yeah. no time for that there was some funny interesting stuff too that I found around like how did the Grinch end up with Max because it's never like like in the movies right in the original book it's never really outlined like how did he get this dog because the Grinch was living isolated for a couple of decades and Mount Crumpet like didn't have any interactions with anybody and so the the fan theory was that max ended up being one of the gifts that a child got rid of and put out in the trash and that's how the grinch ended up with him but in in the book that came out in 1998 the grinch meets his max uh it kind of describes how the grinch ended up with him which was he found Max on Mount Crumpet and it kind of suggested that Max might have been left behind by his previous owner. So Max, Max's backstory, whether it's he was thrown away by a child or was left behind by a previous owner, is from a place of neglect yeah. <laughs> and like not being wanted, <laughs> And maybe that's why the Grinch
1: wanted him. Like, if he wants the things that people don't want, maybe that's why he picked Max. Mm hmm. That's, oh, that makes you cheer for Max
0: even more. He's the underdog, literally the <laughs> underdog. He, you want him to win, you want him to get everything that he wants, all the love possible. But here's where I have a little bit of an issue, though. Okay. 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 Here's where I have a little bit I'm of a. myself. Issue. So, you know, we don't really get to learn a lot about Max, right, in the original <laughs> stories or in, in the original movie or whatever. We don't really know who Max is other than him being Dr. Seuss or the Grinch's sidekick. And so uh, Random House was like, oh, we should make a book about Max. And have his story told. So in 2018, they released a book called I Am Max, which was written by Astrid Holm. And I read it. I I went online and read it. And they talk, like the book describes in the beginning, like who the Grinch is. And like, you know, I met the Grinch and he didn't like this and he didn't like that. But then his heart grew. And now he's a nice person. And now Mm -hmm. we eat dinner together we climb mount crumpet together i i chew uh antlers uh as my snack but you don't really actually still learn anything about max it's so
1: weird it's basically it's like, like a he, propaganda piece to make the grinch look a, better
0: well that's what i that's i was reading it and i was like this book <laughs> is a redemption arc for the grinch to show him as like oh look at how good of a dog owner he is now Look, he doesn't hang Max upside down anymore. It doesn't make him pull this the sled around. Like it's nice to him. They have dinner together, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "This is propaganda. This is propaganda. I want a real story about Max. Let's just make a movie about him. I want to know what he's up to. What he does on the weekends. Who he likes. Does he have a girlfriend, a boyfriend? Like <laughs> He's dating Ruby. He? You didn't know? <laughs> Who is this character? But we never really learn anything real about him. I feel other than that, he's just loyal and kind. Yeah, you think they could
1: tell you more, like give you a bit more backstory? And it's also interesting because he was obviously like a loved character, but unlike Snoopy, who really was loved as like a second, you know, tier to Charlie Brown, and then became kind of surpassed Charlie Brown. I feel like Max, you know, was, is more love than the Grinch, but Dr. Seuss never put Max on his own trajectory the way that Charles Schultz did with Snoopy. And for anybody who missed our Charlie Brown episode two episodes ago, definitely check it out. Um, It's awesome. We talk a lot about how Snoopy became a global icon, but I was, I thought that was interesting comparing the two, why they, both had so much love from readers, but went in two different directions in terms of developing his characters.
0: Right. Where Max didn't really get his own spin-off in any way. None. Yeah. He didn't have, I mean, I think I will say if you're like looking at it from just like an artistic standpoint, right? Like, or let's, let's even talk about Snoopy. Snoopy was in the newspapers every week for the most part, right? In the comic strip so people were able to develop i think more of a relationship mm. with snoopy as a result of that he, like you're 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 getting to see him in all different types of scenarios on a on a regular basis obviously with the grinch and max the frequency as far as stories that came out of them together you mean a lot of it's just remakes right remakes of old you know, it, it's not like really anything new. It's just like a spinoff of something that's already been done. Um, so I do wonder if that played a role in it because the medium of how they did storytelling was very different to Charles Schulz and Dr. Seuss. Um, but I mean, we've seen it before with other, you know, characters as far as them getting their own like. This is not an animal, but if for Breaking Bad fans, right? I don't know, Julie, if you've watched Breaking Bad. I've never
1: seen it. Josh has. So he'll get whatever you're about to say. I've never seen it.
0: So Saul Goodman is one of the characters in Breaking Bad. He's the attorney. He's this slimy, greasy attorney that gets all these bad guys out of trouble. And in ways that are... Questionable, right? In terms of how he uses the law to to help protect these bad guys, but he was a beloved character in the original series of Breaking Bad, and then they made a spinoff series called Better Call Saul. And so, like, I want that for Max. I want to get a spinoff of Max. I think now is the time that we start advocating for that.
1: I like that, Anya. That would be a really great like new Christmas story. Like Max is going out on his own. He's doing the holidays his way. Maybe there are other holidays he's celebrating. Maybe some pagan, other pagan traditions come into the play. Hanukkah. Yeah, Max is going to learn about Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Ramadan and everything else that's out there in the world. There, Yeah, that is such an, an opportunity. And if the rights holders of the Dr. Seuss stories don't recognize that, then... I mean, be better at capitalism.
0: <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Make money. <laughs> Make that money. What are we doing? We see spinoffs of everything. I mean, they made a a remake of Ghostbusters with an all women cast. instead of just creating a new movie with women, we just got to remake something that men did. So <laughs> let's give Max the same treatment, right? Like let's continue this cycle of abuse um you know what was other also interesting about Dr. Seuss that I learned he he didn't ever have biological children he had a stepdaughter from his second marriage but he famously said about children you can have them and I'll entertain them and I I feel like Dr. Seuss and I were probably pretty kindred spirits.
1: In <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd have been a great
0: Mrs. Seuss, Anya. You
1: really missed your opportunity.
0: I know. I know. I was born in the wrong lifetime. <laughs> born in the wrong lifetime. I enjoy this,
1: Anya. I was not ever expecting to do our or a holiday episode on the Grinch. I didn't think there was enough to look at from an animal storytelling perspective, but you really, as with many things, you opened my eyes and uh, introduced me to something new.
0: I'm I'm always happy to do that with you. And I, I, I think you and I are on the same page, though, that Max is a character in in the world of the Grinch that has not deserved enough love. I, I, I do find it really fascinating about how he was treated in terms of like things that we accepted of how he was treated and it was never really pushed back again. There were no book burnings, you know, of Dr. Seuss books um, because of how Max was treated. And I think, you know, obviously like our relationship to animals has changed a lot. It, you know, when you're thinking about this book was released in the late 50s and we look at how we just have, how animals are part of our lives now in a very, very different way, right? Like they sleep in our beds, they have clothes, they, um, you know, we take them everywhere with us. Like we treat them like real family members because- I think we've realized in a lot of ways how animals add so much value and benefit to our lives. And also too, if you're talking about mostly, if you're talking about like millennial women, a lot of women are choosing not to have children or they're delaying having children um, because they have animals and they have something to love and care for. And I think it's just, you know, you have to also look at the time. You know, it put things into context too, of like when certain things were created um, and judge it from a different lens because I don't, we didn't have the same connection to animals then as we do now.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Very well said.
0: And I would say, I mean, I haven't seen any of the original. Or the newer movies like with Jim Carrey or Benedict Cumberbatch when he does a voiceover for the Grinch. But um, I would assume they depict their relationship a little differently in these more modern versions of the Grinch than in the past. I can't I'm sure he was like mean quote mean to Max in the movies, but I'm sure it's very different. Definitely. No, it, that, that's definitely shifted.
1: And you know, I can't say I'm motivated to go watch any of these movies as much as I'm here for Max. I don't want to give the Grinch my money. But if the Max movie ever comes out on HBO Max, I'll uh, I'll be there for it.
0: Do you think Smudge is a Grinch? Or do you think no. he's more of a Max?
1: Uh, he's kind of like Snoopy. I feel like he's more of a Snoopy.
0: I think Ruthie's a Grinch. (laughs) She is. (laughs) A Grinch
1: Grinch with a shorter skirt.
0: Yeah. At my holiday party last night, I got so many side eyes from her. Like, why are all these people here? Why are they all laughing, having a good time? Why did you let them come into my home? And... And I could just tell that she wanted no part of what was happening uh, last night with people enjoying themselves and having a good time. I I, I could tell (laughs) that she was deeply bothered by the situation that was happening.
1: Well, that's all right. Maybe Ruthie will find a different holiday to celebrate.
0: Well, Julia, I love talking with you as always. Always on you, but there are holiday parties to
1: go to. And what I said, there are holiday parties to go to and leftover Christmas cookies to eat. Sounds like you have plenty left over
0: from last night. Can I tell you something? Uh You're my max. You (laughs) You have helped my heart grow three times larger. Oh, yeah, since we've met. So sweet. So it's a Christmas miracle. It is. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone that listened, thank you again. Follow us on Instagram at the Furfluencers. You can also sign up on our website for a newsletter that will be coming out again soon what at thefurfluencers.com. <laughs> Make sure to like and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And again, we love sharing these stories with you have any ideas or things that you want us to talk about let us know happy holidays everyone happy holidays